Flashing sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Our agenda is not a partisan agenda, although some people say it is. It's a mainstream, common-sense agenda of the American people. It's where we want to be and where we want to go. Now, you really mean finish that wall because we built a lot of it. Finish that. There's no place better to talk about border security, whether they like it or not, because I've been hearing a lot of things, oh, the wall didn't make that much of a difference. You know where it made a big difference? Right here in El Paso. And now, Stacey Washington. Welcome to the program. <laughs> I just, I get a little bit excited when I hear President Trump doing his thing at these rallies. And I can tell you, after having attended one, just the one, now I've heard him speak in person three times, but the one rally, I just get a little bit miffed when I hear about him having one that I don't get to go to. So I am slightly miffed, Stacy, today for not being able to be in El Paso and also be here at home to take care of my responsibilities. It's unfortunate that um, the bullet trains that the liberals claim will get us everywhere instantly don't already exist because maybe I could have taken a bullet train to El Paso yesterday after the show, been at the rally, and then bullet trained myself back home faster than traveling by air by far. Oh, no, wait, we're talking about more liberal utopian nonsense. Welcome to the show today. We're actually going to be speaking with uh, Dr. Paul Nathanson. Uh, he's the author of several books about misandry, which that is actually where men are attacked under the feminist movement. It's, it's an anti-male movement, and we've seen the roots of it develop into a full-scale as- attack and onslaught onto American men. And American men are the backbone and foundation of our country's wealth and prosperity and, and the work ethic that we have. And of course, all men aren't perfect. In fact, none of them are. But we can't do what we do here in America or in life in general without men. So he's going to chat with us about exactly what all of this means and what we can do in our own spheres of influence to push back against this and protect our men. I am a huge proponent of women being the covering that is described in the Bible for their husbands and for our families. The role that women play in protecting men is so integral. And if you're a woman and you're listening to this show, it's not an accident. You're meant to be here and hear this and to be, we we should always be on our guard to protect the men in our lives and to stand up for them in the same way that they stand up for us. Chivalry is not only not dead, it's alive and well and kicking in the heart of every man that you encounter. And for the few men that don't feel chivalrous, you'll find hundreds of others who would lay down their lives for for a stranger, a woman they've never met before, because that's how they're made. So instead of going against what God has created, we are called to not only intersect with it, but to literally plug into what God's plan for men and women is, for marriage, for families, and for the way our society is supposed to operate. And when we do that, God blesses us. So, so exciting uh, to get to talk to him today. We're also going to discuss a former Trump lawyer slamming the Mueller probe, and he maintains the president will be cleared. And I, I really, I'm, I just know 
the way things operate and the way these leaks have operated in the past, it's always been a situation where if there was anything to be seen or heard, it gets leaked. A little bit of it gets leaked out. People just can't sit on it. A secret like that, that the president had actually been found to be guilty of collusion with the Russians, that's not something people could keep a lid on. Somebody somewhere would have already leaked it out. But we haven't seen that, have we? We're also looking at, it's a, it's a weird phenomenon where, uh, and we, we mentioned it yesterday on the show, but we're going to delve into it a little bit more, where we have this, it's, it's like, it's hard to describe because it's, I'm not sure if it was intentional or if it's just worked out that way, but the Democrats are actually using the racism or allegations of racism against two of the people in leadership in Virginia to cover up the fact that they're now openly accepting of and promoting infanticide. And so it's kind of like, you know, there's this main problem, which is infanticide. People who advocate for that should not be leaders. They should not be elected officials. They should not be anyone who's advocating for murder should not be in a position of leadership for us. But if we can only talk about race, then that means we're not going to talk about infanticide. It's it's almost as if we're saying we're going to focus on the side event, the side dish, the, you know, whatever the small item is. And leave the main, it's like a huge cancerous open wound. We're going to say, no, you know, just cover that up with a sweater. Let's deal with this little, you know, you have an ingrown toenail. (laughs) We wouldn't do that, would we? Would we say to someone who had a huge, you know, they'd been, they'd been injured in some way or, or shot, would we say, yeah, that looks pretty bad, but we also noticed that you, you know, your hair is too long and you need a, you need a haircut or, you know, you have a, uh, a splinter in your thumb and splinters are painful, but you can live with a splinter in your thumb indefinitely. You can actually live with a splinter in your thumb indefinitely but you can't live with cancer or a gunshot wound indefinitely. You have to have something done about that. And so what we're seeing is, and we've actually talked about this. We talked about the allegations of racism against Governor Northam. Uh, We've also talked about the entire, you know, you got the allegations of sexual assault, which that is very serious. That does need to be addressed with um, Justin Fairfax, who's the lieutenant governor. And then there's the other guy, the attorney general, who, you know, apparently he did some blackface stuff. But it's like, again, yeah, that would be super important if we aren't glossing over the fact that these guys are advocating for infanticide. Yeah. So I don't get it at all. So for today's Daily Confession, I want to talk about encouragement. And usually we we call this segment the encouragement. Uh, I always want to be encouraging for you, and I always want people to feel encouraged in spite of whatever news we're discussing. God is greater, and we're to be encouraged. And I just felt like today, especially because it's we have another overcast day here in the Midwest. I don't know how people in the Northwest take it, people from Seattle who have very few uh, actual interactions with the sun. How do y'all live? Like, how do y'all live? Um, but I want to go over this because we get beaten down. We get a, a almost, it's almost a sense of oppression where the news is constantly bad. And no matter how the delivery, and we, and we do laugh on the show, we have fantastic callers. But in the end, if we're not encouraged by what God has said to us, who we are, what we are, where we come from, who, all of that good stuff, then we won't be able to withstand the onslaught of this bad news. So I love what the Bible has to say about us. It says positive things about believers. God has a positive face towards us. 
And so I want to just run down these and I want you to be encouraged by these. Just receive them in rapid fire order. These are true. This is God's word about you. And there's nothing that can change it. The Bible says that there is no one who can separate us from the love of our father. We cannot be separated from it. We can deny it, but the love is still there. So in Christ Jesus, I have wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. He is the reason you have a relationship with Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. That's 1 Corinthians 1.30. My body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who dwells in me. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you? That's 1 Corinthians 6.19. I am joined with the Lord and I am one spirit with him. But the one united with the Lord is one spirit with him. 1 Corinthians 6.17. God leads me in triumph and knowledge of Christ. So whatever that problem is, whatever it is that you're facing, whether it's a doctor's diagnosis, whatever, it's not greater than the God that we serve. He leads us in triumph and knowledge in Christ. But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ and who makes known through us the fragrance that consists of the knowledge in him of him in every place. So there's no place we can run to and escape the knowledge of him. There's no place where we can hide from him. And there's no place where his love does not chase us down, overtake us. And his, our cup overflows with what God has for us. The hardening of my mind has been removed in Christ. What does that mean? Well, that means, remember in the Bible, many times in the Old Testament, it says that God hardened the heart of the Pharaoh the, that their hearts were hardened. And that usually means these, that that's where people have made the choice that they're not going to follow God. Now, once we've given our lives to God and, and we have accepted his son into our lives, our minds are no longer closed. The veil is removed and we are actually becoming more like him every day. Sanctification is happening. We're no longer serving with hardened minds and hearts that are closed. We're open to him. I am a new creature in Christ. So then if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. What is old has passed away. Look what has new has come. Second Corinthians 517. I have become the righteousness of God in Christ. God made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that in him we would become the righteousness of God. That's second Corinthians 521. I've been made one with all who are in Christ Jesus. There is neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female for all of you who are one in Christ Jesus. We're all one in Christ. So we don't have to be, we don't, we don't have to look at each other askance. We're the body. We're all one. I'm no longer a slave, but a child and an heir. You are no longer a slave, but a son. And if you are a son, then you are also an heir through God. That's Galatians 4, 7. I have been set free in Christ for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not be subject again to the yoke of slavery, which means slavery has no power over us. We can repent, be forgiven and move on. And any sin that besets us, we can give it to the father and ask him to set us free and he will do it. There is no sin, no besetting sin, nothing that can lay claim to you that you cannot be set free from in Christ Jesus through prayer to God the father. I have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms in Christ. That's Ephesians 1 through 3. So as I'm closing this out, you are chosen, holy, and blameless before God. You are redeemed and forgiven by the 
the grace of Christ. You have been predestined by God to obtain an inheritance. You have been sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise because of God's mercy and love. You have been made alive with Christ. You are seated in the heavenly places with Christ. You are God's workmanship. You are created to produce good works. You have been brought near to God by the blood of Christ. You are a member of his body and a partaker of his promise. You have boldness and confident access to God through faith in Christ. Your new self is righteous and holy. You were formerly in darkness, but now you are a light in the Lord and no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Whatever you ask for that is God's will will be done in the name of Jesus. So whatever you're facing today, whatever is coming against you, whatever attack you feel, rebuke it, worship and move on because God has already given the enemy into your hand and you are walking in the land of blessing. Do not pay attention to your circumstances and what you can see in the natural. Claim your freedom in Christ through studying his word, obeying him and worshiping. You got it. You got to obey. You got to worship. And all of the things I said about you, I didn't write it down. You don't have to worry about it being true or a lie because it comes from me. It comes from God. He's not a man that he should lie. He is for you. So take that every, everything I just said, take it with you. If you need to go back to the podcast at AFR.net, listen to it, listen to it again, look up those scriptures for yourself, meditate on them, be encouraged. That's what I have for you for today, uh, for our daily confession. So now I want to pivot over to the news. Uh, We have Cheney, And she says that the far left radical positions of today's Democrats are threatening the security of our nation. And she's so right about this. It's number three. Ms. Speaker, I uh, rise today because every American should know that we're now at the point where the Democrats are demanding that ICE release dangerous criminals onto the streets of the United States. First, they demanded that we not build a wall. Their leader said that would be immoral. Now they're demanding that we release dangerous criminals we have already apprehended. And Mr. Speaker, they are threatening to shut the government down. They are so committed to this position. Most Americans know their government's most sacred obligation is the defense of the nation. The Democrats want to abolish one of the very agencies tasked with this responsibility. This is a backdoor effort to do so. Under this latest proposal, ICE has said they could be required to release as many as 15,000 criminals onto our streets. The far-left radical positions of today's Democrats are threatening the security of our nation. It's time to build the wall, secure our borders, support our law enforcement, and keep dangerous criminals off our streets. I yield back, Mr. Speaker. So what is it about what she just said that any person whose brain synapses are actually firing at the proper rate could disagree with? This isn't about keeping Americans safe for the Democrats when they're constantly talking about releasing criminals out into the midst of us, when they're constantly ignoring the deaths of American children and women and men who've been gunned down run down and killed by illegal aliens. It's not all illegal aliens, but it doesn't matter how many there are if it's your child that's been killed. We gotta put a stop to that. We'll be back with more after this. Hello everyone, I'm Tim Wildman, president of American Family Association and American Family Radio. You know, our June tour of Washington, D.C. and Mount Vernon is almost full. And September will be full before long, so if you want to go with us on one of these spiritual heritage tours in June or September, please check out the information now at spiritualheritagetours.com. That's spiritualheritagetours.com. You know, one of the places we go 
is the Arlington National Cemetery. We usually do that on Friday morning, and that is just a majestic place. It's hallowed grounds for us as Americans. It's there we'll see the changing of the guard at the tomb of the unknown soldier. That's just one of the places we see on one of the days we're in Washington, D.C. If you want more information on the Spiritual Heritage Tours, go to spiritualheritagetours.com. Hi, I'm Crawford Loritz with a Legacy Moment. Rejection is not fatal. Sometimes God uses opposition to redirect us. I have a friend who pastored a church that was full of bickering and power struggles. It was downright awful. He was disrespected as a leader. He was terribly mistreated. And he said to me, Crawford, on more than one occasion, it was an absolute chore to stand up and preach on Sunday mornings. After much praying counsel with other people and friends apart from the church, he decided that God wanted him to move on. He sacrificed his salary and everything and started a Bible study in another part of the city. That Bible study grew into one of the fastest growing churches in the United States. My friend believes, and I agree with him, that God used opposition to make him something, but also to get him to where he really needed to be. Listen to Acts chapter 18, verses 5 and 6. When Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul was occupied with the word, testifying to the Jews that the Christ was Jesus. And when they opposed and reviled him, he shook out his garments and said to them, Your blood be on your own heads. I am innocent. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. I suppose Paul could have stayed there and fought with them. There could have been hassles and power struggles, but I believe that Paul was listening to the voice of God through the message of his opposition. Maybe it is better for me to move on. Here's what I want you to remember today. Sometimes God uses opposition to get our attention. When he has our attention, we need to ask some very important questions about ourselves and where we need to be. Then we need to answer those questions and do whatever God tells us to do. More information about the ministry of Crawford Loritz can be found online at livingalegacy.org. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Welcome back to the program today. You can find out more about everything we're doing by going to AFR.net and UrbanFamilyTalk.com. You can also hit the subscribe button at StacyOnTheRight.com and join thousands of people who currently receive updates and news and information from me on a periodic basis. Uh, thank you also to everyone who's spending time with us um, and, and partnering with us. We are still continuing on with what is very important work that's being done in Mumbai, India, in the red light districts, which is protecting children from this really horrible scourge of them having to, they basically live in the same place where their moms are working in prostitution. And so I think sometimes because we live in America and because most of us don't have these kinds of situations near to us, that it can be kind of hard to understand why we at American Family Radio would do something like this. Why would we ask you to provide a day of safety for $7.08? Well, we're doing that because we understand how crucial it is that, um, that we rescue these children and also because leadership from American Family Radio has taken the time to travel to Mumbai, India, and see for themselves just how deplorable and awful these conditions are that these kids are trapped in. 
And so $7.08 for an American, as I love to point out, we're talking about, you know, a fancy cup of coffee or maybe a trip to Subway where you get a sub um, and, and a drink and, you know, some, something like that. So it's not a huge sacrifice for us, but it means an entire day of safety for a child in Mumbai, India. You can call 877-616-2396, 877-616-2396, or go to AFR.net. What I'd love to do right now is have you hear from one of these children uh, who they're sharing about what's having, what, what, what's happened to them and what the days of safety actually mean for them. Um, and so let me give you, which clip number do we need to pull? Oh, 3039. So let's listen to that one first. When I first got to this home, one of the leaders said, even though you are young, you have a very bright future in front of you. It was the first time I have ever heard that. After about three months, I could see what they meant. I learned many things, but the two most meaningful things that I learned were how to speak English and about Jesus. It feels so good to have encouraging people around me who really love me. They're giving me the family I'd never thought I'd have. So if you're uh, someone who, you know, you, you're, if you have a family, if you have um, anything having to do with, with family, where you have people in your life that maybe you're not close to, or maybe you are close to, or maybe you have that hugely supportive environment where you have family members close and extended who constantly encourage you and are there if you need anything and you're able to do the same for them. And so you know that the family structure is meant to, it, it represents our relationship with Christ and with our Father in heaven, but it also is something that is, it's, there's nothing more comforting than having someone in your family come alongside you during a difficult moment. And so these kids don't have that at all. They don't have family structures. They don't have extended family that could take care of them. And these these days of safety are basically like me saying, hey, I want to, you know, provide a day of safety to you. And it's something that a family member would do, but these kids don't have that family. So we're kind of stepping into that role. So I encourage you to join with us here at American Family Radio and providing a day of safety. $7.08 is all it takes. You can go to AFR.net, quickly click through the process, and you'll be done with that before I've pivoted over to our next item. <laughs> or you can call and speak to one of our fantastic volunteers at 877-616-2396. I'd appreciate you doing that. We love it when you join with us and come alongside, especially for India Partners, 877-616-2396. Now I want to pivot over to the news. And this one in particular is about the uh, the border agents and the issue that we're seeing. So the good news is it looks like the Democrats have come up with a bill that at least moves them away from their not $1 or we're only going to give $1 to the wall discussion. But it's not nearly what the president has asked for. Now, I give the Democrats credit for doing any kind of compromise because they're worse than the, the worst kind of um, you know, child, like uh, just imagine a kid who's never had any home training at all, never been taught how to share, and they just rampage through places and just take things out of people's hands for the sheer joy of taking things. That's the kind of behavior we've seen from the Democrats of late. And, and it's kind of depressing because these people make 178, 172,000, somewhere in there. And if they're in committee leadership, they get an extra 30,000 or so to do leadership positions. 
these are people who should not only know how to compromise, but they should be they should feel compelled to do so because taxpayers pay them so much money. I can think of families that we've encountered over the course of our marriage, my husband and I, who if they had the opportunity to do as little work as senators and Congress people do, and they could make 172000 a year, not only would they do it, but they would do it to the best of their ability. They would actually pour themselves into their work and they would feel responsible because money like that is not, ju- that's just not the everyday American experience. And sure, we have tens of millions of Americans who make way more than 178000 a year. As Vladimir Putin said, you have many, many millionaires in your country. It's not an oddity for someone to be a millionaire if they're an American. It's true. But we also have many tens of millions of Americans who work hard by the sweat of their brow. They manage their budgets and they really, really pay attention to everything that they spend and everything that comes in. And they're prudent and they work hard because they know any kind of upset to their family situation means completely derailing the track that they're on. Families that make fifty-five, sixty, seventy thousand dollars a year, and sometimes even less than that, they're they're not, it's not unknown or unheard of to see a family like that setting aside enough money over the course of their lifetime to retire comfortably, to uh, help their children with a down payment on a house. These are the same kinds of families that often put their kids through college by borrowing no money. So this is not a a bad thing when you say family of four, family of five, family of six, family of three, earning 50, 60, 70, 80,000 a year. People in Congress might not think that's good money, but for a lot of Americans, they've not only managed to live on that, but they've managed to make an amazing contribution to the society philanthropically and in their communities. They're working hard and living well and living the American dream. Yet these Congress critters make 172 or over 200,000, and they can't manage to be there to vote every time there's a vote. They can't sit down and say, you know, I know we got lobbyists sitting in the other room who are saying they're not going to give me money for my campaign, but I owe those families out there in my district who are making one third of what I make or less, I owe those people a negotiation, a true sit down, hearing of the actual this is what the president's requested. This is what the border people, uh, the, the border and customs enforcement, this is what they want. This is what we've done in the past. I got I to gotta put something forward here because I owe it to those people because those people pay my salary. They pay, their taxes pay for me to sit here in my, you know, $1,800 outfit and get driven around by one of my 20 staff members and have two houses when my constituents only have one. That is the attitude they should have. But it's not. They don't have that attitude because they absolutely don't care that their constituents make a third of what they make. They don't care that the constituents' taxes are a burden that all of us, we pay the first four months of the year we work just to pay our tax burden. (laughs) You know, just let that sink into you for a second. But these people down in Washington, D.C., they can't fix their mouths to find a way forward to negotiate to get the the, the threat of a government shutdown out of the way. It's like theater to them, kabuki theater. It's just something that they're doing on the side while they're trading on on insider information and making themselves rich. How else can they go there worth what you and I are worth and they come out and after they're there for one term, they're all worth more than a million dollars. So they're doing something with their time, but it's not working for us. So here she is. She's, She's so on it, Representative Liz Cheney. Uh, She says, when committee members heard from border agents, they actually changed their minds. It's number five. Well, I certainly uh, hope we're not headed for another shutdown. I think the president's been clear and the Republicans in the House have certainly been clear that we absolutely have got to secure the border. 
You know, I, I thought it was interesting when you watched the negotiations that have been going on between the, our bipartisan and, and bicameral committee. Uh, when the committee members had a chance to go visit the border, when the committee members had a chance to, to hear from uh, Border Patrol uh, agents themselves in testimony, it really made a difference, I think. And I, I think that there's, there's, you know, bipartisan agreement, we got to secure the border. I think there are some members of leadership on the Democratic side, in particular Speaker Pelosi, uh, who really is out there on her own saying things like walls are immoral and she will only allow one dollar for a wall. Uh, the American people want the border secure. So I'm, I'm hopeful that this committee will be able to come up with a proposal that we can all support, that the president can sign. Uh, but it's going to have to include funding that will allow us to secure the border and it'll have to include funding for some sort of a barrier. And so this is not an unreasonable request. And I just see, um, uh, you know, Obviously, when people are presented with the information, unbiased, just straight information, they tend to say, oh, yeah, well, if the president's willing to negotiate, then Congress should negotiate with him. That's what most people are saying. What they're being presented with is over and over again, Americans are being told that the president won't negotiate. He's a horrible dictator. He's out busy trying to figure out how to kill black people and women and kids and be racist to immigrants, which none of that's true. But that's what they're being told. And so they just assume that he's like this demonic figure who just can't he, he can't be satisfied. He's talking about, on the other hand, the president is talking about actually protecting the lives of American citizens and making it so that not only do we not have to worry about the illicit drugs coming in, but the MS-13 and the potential of having terrorists cross the border. It's not like we haven't had any of them come across. They've been apprehended. And that's why the grace of God, that's what we have to pray for as Christians, that in spite of the people that have been elected and sent to Congress, which it's, it's a sin that people would vote for individuals who don't care anything about maintaining law and order, but that in spite of that, God would have mercy on us and protect us from these people who want to come into this country and do harm. They want to blow up Americans. They want to decapitate Americans' heads. They want to sell our children into sexual slavery. They want to get our kids and our, our teenagers hooked on drugs. They don't care about the opioid overdoses. They don't care about that. They just look at the bottom line. How much of it have we sold? How many more places can we get to sell it? That is what we have to be praying that would be stopped, that there would be justice that would run free and break out all over this land. But in the place of that, we have to examine ourselves and say, who are we voting for? And that's for any person. Obviously, um, we can send someone to Congress who's on the Republican ticket, who is completely ill-suited for the job and isn't there for the right reasons. Any person can, you know, flim-flam their way into a congressional seat. I mean, we see AOC, she's there. That means anyone can do it. But the, the answer is when they get there and we see that they're not doing what they're supposed to do. We see them enriching themselves. They have a re-election rate of like over 80%, all of Congress, but they also have an approval rating below 30%. So that means people are unhappy, but they're sending the same people back. What do you get if you do the same thing repetitively and expect a different result? Well, you're going to get the same thing, but it's folly to do so. So the answer is to get these people who've been elected and sent to Congress not to send them back. And if it feels a little bit like Russian roulette and it feels like, you know, how Donald Trump likes to fire people and if they get in there and they're not doing a good job, he doesn't have a long tether or a, a lot of patience for seeing someone kind of ramp up. He expects if you're going to come work in the White House that you be ready to do the job. And if you're not, he's perfectly fine with firing you and finding someone else. That has to be our attitude. 
If we send someone to Congress and they've been there for two years and they haven't done anything they promised to do, they haven't introduced any legislation that they ran on, then that person should not be sent back. And the first thing I hear it all the time, too, I know what you're thinking. Well, Stacey, when they get back to the district on Christmas break or on spring break or whenever they're back, they always say the intransigence of Congress or the the Democrats are blocking or blah, blah, blah. Uh, you know what? We didn't we didn't elect you to, to, to give us excuses. We didn't elect you to come back and tell us how you couldn't do it. You told us you could do it. You said all the right things. You're there now. If you can't get it done, what are you still doing there? You don't get to go back. And it should literally be a different person every two years until we find someone who hits the ground running, who's ready for prime time, who is the right tool for the right job until we find those people. That means some of us are going to have to pony up and run ourselves. I'm not talking about people who have small kids at home, kids in in the teen years. Parents need to be home for that. But look how many brilliant people we have running around where it's just the husband and wife and the kids are all grown. Those are the ones who have the life experience and the integrity and the, the accomplishments under their belt, having successfully raised a family and, you know, moved ahead in their career. That's who we should be looking for to run for Congress, to be quite honest with you. Uh, they're, they're, you're, you're much more seasoned. You have a lot of wisdom and you're better able to negotiate all of the things that are going on. And I, so we have to take some responsibility for what we're seeing out of these people. If nothing else, because we can't control them, we're, we're not like puppet masters, but if nothing else, we have to take responsibility for the fact that we keep sending them back. They keep coming back after two years and saying, we just couldn't get anything done. And we keep saying, oh, well, okay, well, will you do something next time? And they're like, sure, I will. And then they get there so long, they don't even say that. Think about the communities that send Maxine Waters to, uh, to Congress. Think about the communities that send uh, Sheila Jackson Lee, who she can't, she can't even read off a piece of paper and they keep sending her back. What has she done for those communities that she represents? Uh, is there more economic prosperity? Is crime down? Has anything improved? She's been there for decades. This is a bipartisan issue, sending people to Congress who won't do their jobs. And we should be just, it, we should have zero tolerance for it. And I know... There are people there who are pretty fantastic and have, you know, done, done a little something, something, but is it what they promised? And in the interim, and I, I got nothing against people making money and taking advantage of opportunities, but is it right? We're, we're, we're out here in the hinterlands and flyover country and, you know, you, wherever you are in the country listening to American Family Radio, you know, God bless. I'm so glad we have this audience all over the country. But just think about, have, have you started your job and in the last couple of years become a millionaire just by virtue of the fact that you work at one place or another? Congress is the only place where that happens. Why? And why do we allow it? So when we get back, we'll have your calls, 866-963-2037, 866-963-2037. Back with more after this. What does it take to be a sports success and a team player? Here's Pro Football Hall of Fame coach Tony Dungy with today's Uncommon Moment. Hall of Famer Chuck Bednarik was perhaps the most devastating tackler to ever play the game. 
Concrete Charlie, as they called him, was also the last two-way player in football, playing both center on offense and linebacker on defense. His special toughness was also seen in World War II, years before he played pro football, as Bednarik participated in 30 missions over Germany as a gunner on a B-24 bomber. He served both his teammates and his country with his incredible strength and work ethic. Concrete Charlie passed away in March of 2015 and will be remembered as an example of uncommon toughness and endurance. Tony Dungy, best-selling author of Quiet Strength and the Uncommon book series. Discover more at CoachDungy.com. On the Hour of Intercession, we have guests on a regular basis, and sometimes our guests have titles like doctor or pastor, but sometimes they have no title at all. Pastor Joseph Parker of the Hour of Intercession. One powerful truth to recognize is that every believer has a testimony, and they can teach you something about prayer as they share their own personal prayer journey. Listen weekday afternoons at 1 Central here on Urban Family Talk. And this is where I often say that the Word of God is not meant merely to be consumed. The question is not how many scripture you can retain. The question is how much scripture can you use? I thoroughly enjoy the Hamilton Corner. It's a bright light, just a priceless information and God's Word is so needed. Tune in to the Hamilton Quarter, weekday afternoons at 5 Central on Urban Family Talk. This is Fox on Justice. There are five justices on the Supreme Court who are considered conservative and four who are considered liberal. And yet the vote was five to four to block enforcement of a new restriction on abortion in Louisiana. Chief Justice John Roberts voted with his more liberal colleagues. Roberts was also the deciding vote to uphold Obamacare. The Louisiana law required abortion providers to have admitting privileges at a nearby hospital. The state has only three abortion clinics. The law would have forced one or possibly two of the clinics to close. In 2016, a very similar law in Texas was struck down by the Supreme Court. At that time, Chief Justice Roberts dissented, voting on the conservative side. Why the change? Court watchers say to look at Roberts' views on precedent. At his confirmation hearing in 2005, Roberts said, it's a jolt to the legal system when you overrule a precedent. It's not enough that you may think the prior decision was wrongly decided. With Fox on Justice, Hank Weinblum, Fox News. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. I have to laugh because I've heard those numbers. I've also heard zero for a border barrier or wall. 800 million was a number I've heard. I've also heard 2.5 or 2.6. And I'm looking forward to actually watching the interview after I'm off of this show because I just don't know where the Democrats are. And I think that's a reflection, Chris, of, of where their party is. I don't think they know where they stand on this particular issue. And that's one of the reasons I think we're having a difficulty coming to a deal. To answer your question, uh, the president is going to build the wall. You saw that you saw what the vice president said there, and that's that's our attitude at this point, which is we'll take as much money as you can give us, um, and then we will go off and find the money someplace else legally in order to secure that southern barrier. But this is going to get built with or without Congress. Okay. I'm not saying what the president will or won't sign, because keep in mind there's a lot of things that uh, that don't get discussed, which is what else is in the bill. Um, you could give a number that the president might like, but take away something else that he doesn't like. I was talking with Senator Shelby. I understand a, a new issue has come up just in the in the last couple of 
of hours that he's going to discuss with you in a couple of minutes regarding detention beds. So there's going to be a lot of different moving pieces. So I'm not in a position to say the president will absolutely sign or will, will not sign. Here's what we do know. The president has to sign a piece of legislation in order to keep the government open. He cannot sign anything that they put in front of him. Just excuse me. They cannot sign everything they put in front of him. There'd be some things that simply we couldn't agree to. Um, so that government shutdown is technically still on the table. We do not want it to come to that. Um, but that option is still open to the president and will remain so. So the big deal here is that the president has some very clear parameters and they all hinge on safety. And so anything in the bill that would yield less safety would obviously be a poison pill. And that's something that both sides of the aisle will do. If they don't like a piece of legislation, you just put a poison pill in it. You can look as if you were being bipartisan. You can look as if you actually wanted something to happen, but it gives you the opportunity to blame the other side. Well, they just, they couldn't, we couldn't come to agreement because they won't negotiate. When in reality, you put something in the bill that you know no one on the other side would sign. And that's what this detention bed thing is. Reducing the number of beds available to house and store criminals before deportation is a no-go. If you're reducing the number, you're basically saying criminals that are currently incarcerated have to be released and go free. Why would anyone agree to that? So uh, we'll go to the phones. Call lines are open at 866-963-2037. Really quickly, I want to point you to our partnership with India Partners. Please, one day of safety is $7.08. That is such a small amount of money, and it means such a huge opportunity for a child in Mumbai's red light district. The number to call is 877-616-2396, 877-616-2396, or go to AFR.net to give a day of safety for a child who desperately needs the opportunity. Um, so right now, I want to go to the phones. Um, we have quite a few callers. Let's go to Kevin in Ohio. Kevin, thank you so much for calling the show today. Hello, Stacy. Hi. I love your show, Stacy. I'm calling to let you know that the federal fumbles are going to be coming out soon, and I think we need to look them up, and we need to contact a congressman and let him know how much uh, we're ashamed of them for wasting our money. Yeah, every year the list gets more and more bizarre, doesn't it? It's like you look on there and you see things that if it seems like one of us would go to jail if we ever did that with money that we were tasked to be responsible for, but they just do it every year. Yes. I love your show, Stacy. Keep up the great work. Thank you, Kevin. I appreciate the call today. Uh, let's go to Tommy in Ohio. Tommy, thank you so much for calling the show. Hi. Hi. It's Hi. nice to be on the show. Um, i got several comments, but uh, let me get right to the point there. Um, Democrats are against anything that Trump wants. It doesn't matter what it is. Mm -hmm. if, if there was a Democratic president in there, they'd be all for the wall. They would. Do you agree? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. If Barack Obama came out for it today, they'd say, well, in light of, you know, former President Obama, who really should still be the president, we totally agree with the wall. Yeah, absolutely. Of course. And these people that are against the wall, they they don't have no idea what's going on down there at the border. They don't have they don't have a clue. Well, I don't think they and, care. And it's amazing. It's amazing that uh, um, I think the government is paid money when they get elected. They go to Washington, and the uh, lobbyists and the uh, 
the uh, other ones that uh, run the country up there, sure, sure. They, they pay them off, pay them off just like the mob would. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then, they, and then, and then the, someone else is in control. Someone else is lying in their pockets, so they do what they want them to do. Like, that's a big lie. Transgenderism, that's a big lie. And it's people all, are starting to get caught. It's true. It's it's all a, a load of, of garbage, really a distraction, just like these new green energy things. That's It's, uh, again, another distraction, something meant to pull our eyes away from what they're really up to. Thank you for calling the show today. Um, so let's go to Jim in Texas. Hey, Jim, thanks for calling the show today. Hey, Stacey, you're on fire today. Hey, listen, we wish you would run for office. You know, I'd be <laughs> glad to volunteer for your campaign, but also... The voters are not holding the people elected accountable for what they do. Look, why aren't they held accountable whenever someone gets shot by an illegal alien? Mm-hmm. You know, if they had to pay like a half a million dollar fine for each time that happened, do you think they would get to do something about it? I would love to see someone introduce some legislation around that. Uh, you know, Jim, what, just think about what happens in private companies. Uh, a, a bunch of money is lost or some equipment, you know, is responsible for damage to other equipment. And so the, the company has experiences downtime or outages. When they trace that back to who's responsible, people get, you know, kind of negative things put in their employment file. Sometimes people are demoted. Other times the damage is so bad, people are fired and they have trouble finding someplace new to work because that that mistake follows them around. That's the private sector. I, I love what you just said. Just think about what would happen if every time an American was killed or kidnapped or assaulted, anything at all by an illegal alien, whosever district it happened in, that elected official, all of the elected officials in that district would have to meet with the victim, pay restitution, and possibly not be reelected. In other words, if it happens during your, during your, your time in office, you, you can't run again because the constituents won't permit you to run again if people are killed on your watch. Imagine what would happen. Yeah. We, we wouldn't have a, an illegal alien anywhere in this country. There wouldn't be any because nobody would want to be responsible. No one would want to have to buy insurance to cover the claims or see them you know, lose their homes, whatever. And I know someone listening is invariably going to say, well, that's too drastic. Is it? If someone's dead, it's too drastic to say who's responsible for this. Nancy Pelosi would have been run out of office decades ago because she comes from a district where, honestly, in California, they're a sanctuary state. They have a quarter of the people living there are illegal aliens. Can you believe that? One of the largest population-wise states in the entire nation is one quarter illegal aliens. I, I would just love to see her health responsible. Uh, Ray in Texas. Hey, Ray, thanks for calling the show today. Yes, ma'am. I wish everybody in the United States could have heard your opening speech. Because oh. I, I was telling the lady earlier, I was I was raised yellow dog Democrat, and the Democratic Party makes me sick in my stomach. It's just too much, you, you know. It's too much. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I don't even, understand it. And when you're discussing even aliens, I live I live in Alien Alley in West Texas where you have six guys working off the same social security number. Again, how is that possible? How does, so how does the IRS not see that as something crazy pants, six people working off the same social security number? How can they not catch that? But they're constantly auditing people like Donald Trump. I don't, I don't get that at all. And what it does is it, 
it makes it harder on the, the people like me that's out there trying to work for a living because these guys will do it for half of what we you'd normally get wage wise. Yeah, so they basically they they undercut you, so you don't have an opportunity to bid for jobs. You don't have an opportunity to even know jobs are out there because the, these guys are out there doing them. And I, and I understand they want to work, they want to earn money, but they're not here legally. So they should not be able to undercut you or anybody else who's an American citizen. But again, if cheap labor is what you want, then illegal aliens are exactly what you're looking for. And it's not fair to them either. They shouldn't be working for almost nothing um, because, but they can because they're also subsidized by taxpayers. American taxpayers are paying for their kids to have food and clothing and housing and everything through the welfare system. And then they just supplement with the dirt cheap work that they're willing to do. And this isn't about them not being good people or not being good workers or us not needing the laborers. It's about the fact that people like our caller there who are American citizens, imagine what his business could be doing if if people in his area were required to bid out jobs at the regular rate. I just don't, I, I don't get how anybody can defend that. Andy in Georgia. Hey, thanks for holding on and thanks for calling the show today. Hey, thank you for having me. Sure. You broke that down really well because I've, I've, I've always had mixed emotions and there's a lot of people that do about, you know, immigrants coming over here and working for they're good people that work. You did really well on that. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> but what I wanted to hit on real quick is uh, you said something earlier about doing the same thing and what you're going to get. Uh, the same thing, you know, I mean, there ain't going to be no different results, but the, that's what they always say. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing, expecting the different results. Right. I, I thought that's what you're going to say. That's what you get is insanity because that's what we got. <laughs> that, it feels like that. To, uh, a black, it, it, it is. This world's crazy. Um, <clears throat> but I was talking to a, a buddy of mine at work. He's black and white. And uh, and we was talking about Trump got brought up. And he's like, oh, my God, he's racist. He's racist. I was like, and he said something about somebody, some said, you know. But that's what the problem is. There's so many lies going around. There's people that just hear them lies and don't speak for themselves. What would be nice if we had something to go around that's got the pro documented pros and cons of what Trump's done. You know what I mean? What's yeah, he done negative, I, what's he done good? I've covered some of that on the show. And, you know, Andy, the point you're making, so it's like a one-on-one -on -one thing where we all, it's almost like the same thing we do with the gospel where we go, you know, person to person. It's our lives that kind of are the, the little crumb or the nugget that draw people in. And then when they ask, well, how are you doing this or how are you doing that? You're like, oh, you know, I've been praying about it. I'm, you know, I believe God answers my prayers. And then you're able to draw them in. I think that's the same thing we have to do with the truth about the president. And I, I found myself, people will hold on to the fact that he's a racist. They'll say, but he's a racist. And I'll say, well, if he's a racist, then why is he doing this? Or why is there the lowest black unemployment ever if he's such a huge racist? Or, you know, so you, you just get a few nuggets of information and you share those. And then what happens is they'll say, well, okay, you got a good point, but I still think he's a racist. And that's when you say, well, you can think whatever you want because you're never going to meet him. But the point that I usually make to people when they talk about the racism of President Trump is, well, I'm pretty sure he's not a racist because I attended the Black History Month reception last year at the White House and there were about 350 of us black people and he was in the room along with a, a number of the cabinet members, black and white, and then his wife, Melania Trump. If he was a racist, he never would have been in that space. But beyond that, since most people don't attend the Black History Month reception at the White House, I wasn't invited this year. So, you know, it's a, a fluke, if anything, that I got in the first time is what what is what does this mean for us? So 
the president is not someone you're going to meet. So it's really his policies that you have to focus on. And if the president has policies that are bringing you economic prosperity and freedom and protecting your liberties, then President Trump could be a verifiable racist. And what would what would it mean to me personally? Now, if he's rounding up black folks and sending them to the, you know, uh, cattle cars, then, OK, we'll pump the brakes. But we don't have that going on here because we have the Second Amendment. So any person who has any knowledge of history knows that back when the KKK was doing the reign of terror and burning people, you know, hanging them, lynching them, do, burning crosses in people's yards, those people were unarmed. You know why the white supremacists who sometimes write the show or call into the show or they send me email, you know why they don't come over here looking? Because the chance of them actually getting something like that done now is slim to none, not just because I can dial 911, but because I'm loaded for bear and trained and ready to defend myself. And it's not just me. It's my husband, the kids. If we could strap a gun to the dog, he'd be ready to rumble. This is the change that means that all kinds of evil people anywhere have to think twice about stepping to someone that they know is prepared to defend themselves. So the, uh, the issue of the president's so-called racism is a non-issue unless he starts implementing policies that literally take away your freedoms, like gun control or something like that. He's not doing that. So it's, an, it's a non-issue. Uh, as we're going out of the show, I want to mention just one more time, give you the number. If you're just tuning in, we are still partnering with India Partners this week. Provide a day of safety in India's red light districts to innocent children who find themselves trapped there. They can have safe place to sleep, warm clothes, food, and everything that they need to not be a part of that scenario. 877-616-2396. 877-616-2396. Or go to AFR.net. If you've given already, God bless you and thank you so much. We really appreciate you. And if you haven't yet had a chance to call in or go to AFR.net, I'll give you the number one more time. And I just want to say thanks. You know, we're doing this per day. So we need you to, you know, join in if you haven't yet. 877-616-2396. God bless you from the heartland. Thank you for making your home at American Family Radio. Citizens, until tomorrow. Stacey Washington, StaceyOnTheRight.com.